To our new passengers, aloha and welcome. As you board, please move across your car to make room for everyone, and kindly offer available seating to those needing special assistance. The show will begin momentarily. Thank you. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. Welcome to Dave's Disney View Podcast, provided on our own version of the information highway in the sky. For those of you standing, please hold on to the handrails throughout our journey and stay clear of the doors. For the comfort of others, no smoking please. Thank you. Dave's Disney View is a look at the Walt Disney World Resort and sometimes beyond, as seen through the eyes of Dave, a frequent visitor, a one-time cast member, and an engineer who simply enjoys the magic and wonder of it all. Now, please keep your party together and put on your virtual mouse ears. And by all means, enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On this edition, we're going to talk about Disney news, but before I get to that, I wanted to spend a little time and talk about my own app, the Hidden Mickeys app that I created. As you may recall, I had put it out there back in, oh, I guess it was about October, and it was available for anyone to play around with, and I got some feedback about it and tried it out myself in the parks a little bit, and uh, I'm pretty satisfied that I've made enough changes and made it pretty cool and pretty slick, and it's now available in iTunes. So if you have an iPhone or uh, an iPod Touch, you're more than welcome to take a copy of it and play around in the parks and have some fun. The original version only worked in Walt Disney World, but the new version works in Walt Disney World and Disneyland, and I've allowed for some sections where you can put in information about other parks or other properties that Disney owns if you happen to find a hidden Mickey somewhere else. Plus, there's some fun social aspects to it that not only can you go and find the ones that are there, you can add hidden Mickeys to the directory. As you find something in any one of the parks or any property, you can go ahead and add it and just take a snap a picture of it and uh, upload it to the, uh, the cloud and have it out there for anyone to see. So it's actually kind of fun. Plus, of course, we have a little way for you to interact and be able to comment on any of them that you see. Or if you see something that's in the wrong place or it's gone or it's moved, you can flag it and let us know and we can adjust where, it, where it's located. Also, we'll have a little feature in there where you can kind of share your favorite Hidden Mickeys and uh, share with the community. So you can kind of type in uh, what you thought about it, what you found, and what you like about it. So you can have a little fun sharing with other people and being a little social. And one more thing about the community aspect of the Hidden Mickeys app, and that's that you can share any of the pictures, whether you take them yourself or whether you find them in the community site, and share them on email or Twitter, and share them with your friends. Let them know the hidden Mickeys that you've found. Hey, it's a fun way to interact and have a little fun. Also, there's a little uh, widget in there that lets you see who the top contributors are to the site. So that way you can kind of get a sense of who's contributing. So if you want to be a top contributor, go out there and take some pictures, and you can be the tops. Right now it's me, of course, because I've added most of the pictures to it, at least for Disney World. But I suspect that others are going to creep up on me with other ones that they've found along the way. So this is a little different than most of the Hidden Mickey apps. One of the things that I do differently, most of the Hidden Mickey apps store them on your phone and you walk up and you look around for them and you have some fun finding them. In my app, what you do is it's actually on the cloud, so you use your GPS enablement, and as you walk up to different places, you can say what's near me, and it'll actually find them and show you what's near you. 
If somebody happens to add one in real time, it'll show up there. You don't have to go and sync again. So it's kind of cool and makes it a little bit interactive and a little more, in my opinion, fun. Now, it's available in iTunes. Uh, it costs $1.99, a pittance, a mere pittance. But I have a few free copies that I'm willing to give away to anyone who's interested. If you just email me at davesdisneyview at gmail.com, I'd be happy to send you the link and uh, give you a promo code. The only thing I ask in return is that you give me some feedback. Send me an email and tell me what you think so I have some sense of whether it's working or whether we should be tweaking some things about it. So I'm very excited that I have this out there, and I hope you enjoy it, and I hope you really have some fun with it playing around in the parks and get a lot out of it. And by all means, if you play with it and uh, you like it, let me know. I'm curious to see what you think about it and uh, how, it, how it goes. So if you have an iPhone or an iPod Touch, please do check out my app. As I said, there are a number of Hidden Mickey apps that are currently out there. So if you search for Hidden Mickeys in iTunes, you may or may not find mine. Uh, mine's a little blue one with some little Mickey faces kind of hidden in there, and it's uh, white writing on it that says Hidden Mickeys. You can also find it by looking for Kennedy Marketing. That's the name of the company that I produce them under. Uh, so feel free to look for them that way. And, of course, I'll put a link in my show notes so you can find it directly if you want to go that route. Oh, and, by the way, if you don't have an iPhone or iPod Touch, and why wouldn't you? You can still play along with a copy of our home game. If you head over to DisneyPodcast.net slash Hidden Dash Mickey, you will see a mobile version of it. Now, it is not the same. It doesn't give you the same level of detail. It doesn't really help you to find ones near me and so forth. And you can't really do the interactive part, but at least you can find Hidden Mickeys. There's no cost to use this, but I, um, I didn't want to leave anyone out who might not have an iPhone or an iPod Touch. So you're more than welcome to play around with that as well. And now on with the show. Downtown Disney continues its evolution. Splitsville at Downtown Disney's west side is expected to open this fall in the old Virgin Megastore location. The cool thing about Splitsville is it's going to combine bowling with billiards, dining, music, and nightlife. Splitsville will include 45,000 square feet with 30 lanes of bowling on two floors. Bowlers can feast on hand-tossed pizza, fresh-rolled sushi, and hand-cut fillet sliders, and other menu items that are going to be served right at the lanes all while enjoying an entertaining atmosphere that's family-friendly. The all-new day and nighttime venue will also be available for birthday parties and corporate events. And one cool feature that I have heard about is that they plan to have a FastPass-like system for minimizing the wait times for lanes. I think that's really cool. Now, I have to say I generally like the idea. And there's something interesting here. Um, Downtown Disney has opened outlets for many well-known brand stores, such as Blank by Wet Seal, Apricot Lane, Sunglass Icon by Sunglass Hut, Basin, Rainforest Cafe, and the list goes on. And it's kind of a fine line they're dancing between being any town USA that you could find on pretty much any street corner and really differentiating themselves as a unique shopping and dining experience. Now, they certainly had done that when they were Pleasure Island. Now I'm kind of seeing it as sort of a different sort of venue where you can go in and enjoy some different things and uh, kind of take in some different experiences, but it's not quite what Pleasure Island was. And I think that's an evolutionary thing that's probably pretty good. It needed to change in some way anyway. It was hard to keep the idea of Pleasure Island fresh as time progressed. I mean, things were different, so you had to have different venues. And I think this is a little more family-friendly and makes it a little more interesting. And I'm looking forward to uh, going and getting in a couple of uh, games of bowling sometime after they open. Disney Cruise Line's newest ship sailed into Port Canaveral back in March, bringing more experiences to the guests and bringing more jobs to my fair state, which I think is a very good thing. 
The Disney fantasy is expected to generate more than 500 direct, indirect, and induced jobs and attract thousands of additional cruise guests to the port, as well as to the theme parks, of course, because people like to have the package of going to Walt Disney World and also taking the cruise. There was a little news about uh, Chef Scott Hunnell of uh, Victoria and Alberts at uh, Disney's Grand Floridian Resort and Spa. He was named a finalist for the James Beard Foundation's annual awards recognizing the top chefs in the United States. For the sixth consecutive year, Hunnell has been nominated for the prestigious Best Chef South Award. Hunnell said, To me, the James Beard recognition is such an honor because the nomination comes from your peers. There are so many talented chefs out there, and to be nominated by them is very special. Now, as you know, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, one of the few places I've never eaten on Disney property is Victoria and Albert's. I have a thing about having to wear a jacket and having very formal dining at Walt Disney World. Now, I will have to check it out at some point. I definitely will. I hear the food is outstanding, and I really should try it. But in the meantime, it's really cool to hear about somebody who's a chef at Walt Disney World coming up for the James Beard Award for excellence in his field. The Walt Disney Company announced a new effort to hire, train, and support returning military veterans. As a part of the Heroes Work Here initiative, Disney will provide at least 1,000 jobs and career opportunities for returning U.S. veterans over the next three years. The company will also support military families and veterans during the transition into the private sector and will launch a public awareness campaign, which you may have seen the ads for on TV already, to encourage all employers across the U.S. to hire veterans. The military values of honor, integrity, commitment, and courage, along with the skills and experience they've gained through their service, makes veterans incredibly valuable employees for any company, said CEO Bob Iger. Now, I would like to make one point personally, and that is to thank anyone who has served our country in the U.S. military. Whether you're an active duty serviceman or woman, or have served in the past, thank you for your service. I do appreciate it, and I know many others who do as well, and you don't hear thanks often enough, so thank you. And speaking of Bob Iger, back in October, he had signed a five-year contract with the Walt Disney Company. Basically, this new contract called for him to assume the chairman role in March, and will keep him on as the chairman and CEO until 2015. In 2015, he will step down as the CEO but remain chairman for one more year and leave the company entirely at the age of 65 in 2016. Now, I see this as a very positive thing. Disney's been extremely stable and successful under Iger, and this allows the company to find a suitable successor while the right person has one year under Iger's stewardship. Hey, Bob, by the way, I have my resume ready, though I have to admit it's a little light on the CEO side of things. Now, one interesting note about this, industry analysts call Disney a, quote, an entertainment giant, end quote, which I suppose it is, thanks in large part to Michael Eisner. But I have to wonder what Walt would think of the term applied to his company, entertainment giant. I'm not sure. The 19th annual Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival is ongoing and continues through May 20th with its largest ever front entrance topiary. It's an illuminated Haiti produce garden with marketplace and a stellar cast of HGTV design celebrities. The festival lasts a total of 75 days, uh, including gardening demonstrations, hands-on workshops, and the Flower Power concert series. Guests can enjoy the sounds of some of the greatest pop, rock, and R&B hits from the grooviest decades during the Flower Power concert series, and performances are held in the America Gardens Theater on Friday, Saturdays, and Sundays at 5.15, 6.30, and 7.45 p.m. And best of all, the festival is included in the regular Epcot admission. Gotta say, it's a lot of fun to go around and just hear some of these bands from like the 60s and 70s and into the 80s, and have some fun just kind of listening to them in a very small venue where they're up there and they're having some fun. 
The new storybook circus area of the Fantasyland at the Magic Kingdom had a soft opening on Monday, March 12th. Attractions in the area were in testing mode in the early part of March and are running periodically until their official grand opening, which is slated for early April. The attractions that may be operating during this uh, phase include the Barnstormer featuring the Great Goofini, one side of the Dumbo the Flying Elephant, and the Fantasyland station of the Walt Disney World Railroad. Look for more of the rides, attractions, and shows to open over the next few months. But the cool thing is, you can walk around the area and check out the new sights and sounds kind of before they're all the way open. And I actually kind of like that. It's fun to check out these new things and get a feel for it and kind of make it your own and make it feel like you know it's home for you before it even opens. So you kind of have a sense of purpose and place. And then when it opens, it just makes it that much more interesting. Now, here's something that caught my attention uh, over the last couple of weeks. As of March 19th, the maximum activation, reload, and total balance limit for the Disney gift card is being reduced to $1,000. And in addition, you may purchase no more than $10,000 in Disney gift cards per day, with no more than $1,000 per card at one time. You can purchase and reload Disney gift cards using cash, credit cards, or traveler's checks at all locations that currently sell Disney gift cards. Now, as someone who has a familiarity with the finance biz, I can tell you that part of this is an effort to reduce potential fraud and money laundering. That's an interesting thing about the preloaded gift card business. You have to be careful as a company about how you manage that money because the government does take a very active view on how money is handled and how it's transacted to make sure that no funny business is going on. As you probably heard, the free dining offer has returned to Walt Disney World. There's special Magic Your Way packages with free Disney dining plan options available for select travel dates between August 25th and September 29th of this year. Guests who book a stay at one of Disney's value resorts will receive a quick service dining plan. Guests who book a stay at Disney's moderate resorts, deluxe resorts, or deluxe villa resorts will receive Disney's basic dining plan. You can save even more and upgrade to other dining plans for an additional cost. Availability is limited, and a minimum three-night package with two-day tickets must be booked. And you must book your trip by May 18th of this year. But it's kind of cool that it's coming back, and uh, if you find the value in it, then by all means you should take advantage of it. And speaking of accommodations, the Royal Guest Rooms, called Reimagined Accommodations Fit for a Prince or Princess, opened at Disney's Port Orleans Riverside recently. There are 512 themed rooms with ornate beds trimmed with crystals and gold accents and magical fireworks swirling about. The backstory is that Princess Tiana hosted her royal friends from around the world in these elegant rooms, and each special guest is left behind a cherished memento to mark the visit. The room decor is inspired by animated films such as Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, and The Princess and the Frog. Crowns from favorite Disney princesses are woven into the bedspreads designs as well. Characters from Disney's Pixar films populate the wall border, and fiber optic effects create magical surprises on the headboard. The rooms, which sleep for, priced from $189 per night, which is termed as moderate, but for those of us on a budget, sure seems expensive. And staying on the topic of resorts, Disney's Art of Animation Resort opened in December, with the standard rooms opening then, and the suites are going to be opening beginning May 31st. Now, I've seen the floor plans for the, and the photos, and I'm a little underwhelmed, especially considering the price. They range from $250 in the off-season to over $400 at peak season. Yes, they have a kitchenette, but there's only one bed, and the rest are these pull-out sofa things. So in my opinion, you'd be better served just getting two adjoining rooms for less than half the cost. But that's just me. As you know, if you've listened to my podcast in the past, I tend to stay off property to save a little bit of money, so that way I can make more frequent weekend trips and save a little bit of money on each of the trips that I take. 
And finally, looking at the World Resorts, you can break out the laptops and portable devices. Free Wi-Fi is coming to the Walt Disney World Resorts. Starting with the deluxe and DVC resorts, Wi-Fi access will be available to all guests. Now, no official timetable has been set, no official announcement has been made, but we've already heard reports that the Wi-Fi at the Animal Kingdom's Lodge and Villas are on and usable by guests at the resort. And as always, concepts are always subject to change, so you want to check with the resort before your arrival. Turning to Epcot for a moment, Epcot's Kim Possible World Showcase Adventure will be getting a new look this summer when Agent P... Also known as Perry the Platypus from the popular Disney Channel series Phineas and Ferb, takes over the adventure. The new interactive experience, called Disney's Phineas and Ferb Agent P's World Showcase Adventure, is based on the efforts of the cartoon platypus to thwart his nemesis. Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Epcot guests will transform into secret agents using a high-tech secret agent device to receive clues for each case. Solving the clues will take agents to different places throughout the seven World Showcase countries, Mexico, France, Germany, Norway, Japan, China, and the United Kingdom, and agents will scour each country for possible clues and evil innators. And will help Agent P defeat Dr. Doofenshmirtz. No specific closing date for the Kim Possible experience nor start date for the Agent P experience has been announced, but it's expected to come sometime this summer. In that same genre, Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom is now open in operation at the Magic Kingdom. The game is played by using spell cards to interact with and attempt to defeat virtual villains who appear in animated form at various game locations known as Mystic Portals. A special map and magic key are also needed for the game. You receive these when you sign in at the Firehouse on Main Street, USA. The Mystic Portals are marked by circular Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom icons on the ground, plus a lock mounted to a nearby wall or surface. Now, I have a plan to check this out on my next trip. I'll be sure and provide an update on a future podcast. Oh, and by the way, how times change. I was the uh, cast member who helped set up the firehouse for its retail sales back in the early 1990s, and now here it is being repositioned again as a gaming station for the Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom. It's interesting how things go around, and I'm kind of curious to see what the firehouse looks like, since I had some intimate knowledge of what it looked like in the past. Recently in movie theaters, uh, John Carter. Starting with an Edgar Rice Burroughs tale called Barsoom, which takes place on Mars, a director from Pixar and a team of imaginative people teamed up with Disney to bring life to an entire world. With the varied cultures and creatures of Barsoom, from six-legged dogs to the mighty and fearsome race of the Green Martians, while the movie has received some mixed reviews, I have a suspicion that this is another one that's going to become somewhat of a cult classic. People are just going to enjoy it for what it's worth and kind of take it in. There's a certain kind of thrill to the storyline. What I understand is, in the actual movie, they introduce far too many characters to kind of keep straight. Edgar Rice Burroughs had introduced all of these characters, and it makes sense in a novel when you're reading it, but sometimes in a movie you have to leave some characters out to make it kind of work. 
But we'll see what happens with it in the long run. I just have that suspicion that it's going to turn out to be something of a hit. And now on DVD, it's the Muppets and their Academy Award winning song. Along with a number of special features on the DVD. Gotta say, I'm looking forward to seeing it again, and again, and again, because it was just that much fun. Now, I have a friend of mine who's really not much of a, a Muppets fan, and he said, eh, the movie was just okay. And I have to say, you know, I thought it was pretty darn good. It was good entertainment, and I really enjoyed it. And that reminds me, there's some thoughts I have about the Muppets in general, and I'm going to have to do another podcast about that in the future. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. As always, if you have questions, comments, or concerns, please feel free to send me an email to davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'm always happy to hear reader comments and uh, see what you guys think about the podcast. And I really do want feedback about my Hidden Mickeys app. I think it's uh, a lot of fun, and I enjoy using it in the parks, and I hope you do too. So that's it for now, and remember, if we can dream it, we really can do it. Bye now. taking a listen to the podcast today if you're standing please hold on to the handrails and stay clear of the doors until the show stops completely and the doors open ladies and gentlemen please collect your personal belongings watch your head and step and take small children by the hand as this concludes our journey we hope that you enjoyed the show and that you drive home safely our thanks go to doug at geekacres.net for his contributions to the show and also to Craig for the original music you hear on the show. You can find Craig's music over at ReverbNation.com slash sound A. If you have questions, comments, or thoughts about the show, please feel free to contact Dave at DavesDisneyView at gmail.com. Show notes and links to other great content on the web can be found at DisneyPodcast.net. Now, I will raise the safety bar, and a podcaster will follow you home. Ha 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 ha